Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. This is Messiah Matters number 342. I have no clue what I'm going to say right now. My name is Caleb Hegg. And as always, I also <laughs> have no clue of what I'm going to say right now. I'm Rob Vanoff. Have Except a clue. I'm enjoying water from my Trinidad Tobago mug. Oh, yeah. I, 2018. Uh, I, I was going to start using a new cup from our producer credits. Uh, every single week, 2017, I think. Sorry, and I totally forgot to fill one today. So. Yeah, you need to you need to show your brother some love, man. Sorry. I need to see some. I'm sorry. Well, what up, everybody? We, we got get... uh, we already got oh, people uh, talking in the chat room, which is always good. Good to see everybody, and uh, yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me. What show, what show number is this? We are on number three four two. Right on three four two. How you been, man? I have been. Well, Good. all is well as the as the famous hymn. All is well. It is well with my soul. Yep. God is good. Yep. The world is chaos. <laughs> but you know what? I love how God uses things, you know, to help us focus and refine our priorities so that our priorities reflect the priorities of the kingdom. Yeah. And uh he's in control, you know. I don't need to worry about stuff. No doubt. I Today, for, what does he say? He says, for the, the, the evil of the day is sufficient thereof, right? Yep. I got a lot going on. What's up with you, man? My, my hope is in six months, I will be broadcasting from <clears throat> my own home studio. Nice. We've got a lot. We've This has taken a very, very, very long time. And we still no wait on, on things. Oh. We do have applause. So actually, you know what? I don't even have my... Can I? I am slacking today. Hang on just a I, second. Now, I did one in Zoom, but I don't know if it shows up on that thing. <laughs> I don't think it does. Caleb, um, that is awesome, dude. I'm, I'm so excited for you. Are you going to have like, are you envisioning a lot of natural light or are you going to just have a lot of really good studio light? Like, I mean, like yes. windows and stuff or yes. both? So the model that I have settled on <clears throat> has four windows on top that are at <gasps> about 11 feet. Oh, cool. Tall, so really tall. Nice. And then two windows in front, like on main level, with an all glass door. And then you're going to, you, when you look out, are you looking at the house then? Do you see your looking yard? At the, looking at the backyard. Now, I'm excited for Before you, people think that I'm getting paid a lot of money and that's how I'm doing all this, that is, nothing could be further from the truth. Caleb uh, and I are closet bazillionaires. Yeah. <laughs> uh, People wonder, it's like, how do those guys just... The Lord you know. got me into a house, uh, in, what, five years, almost six years ago. Uh, and that is that is a story... In and of itself. Of, 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 in and of itself, of the Lord working some miracles um, in the market that we were in then. And, uh, lo, and be, lo and behold... Uh, it was, yes, it was all of the Lord. But anyway, we had to pull some, we had to pull some money, uh, against our house to try to get things working. So it's, it's a little nerve wracking. Honestly, we don't, it's in the Lord's hands anyway. All right. So anyone who wants to pray for us, me and my wife about that, by all means, go for it. Uh, if you want to be part of a conversation, this conversation Go ahead and do so. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegatorresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. And speaking of Tor Resource, go to Tor Resource for all sorts of free stuff and paid stuff. Actually, I think, uh, and I'm not 
exactly sure how this is going to work, but uh, I think that the lectures that I did at the Central Washington Messianic Conference uh, are going to go up on Tor Resource at some point. We'll probably send them out to our mailing list way before they go up on Tor nice. Resource. So Sweet. if you are not part of our mailing list, I don't even know how you become part of our mailing list. Uh, Mike, jump on that. <laughs> I think it's on the homepage somewhere. I think you can. Uh, I think you can Mike, sign up on help. the. Home- yeah, help help with that. Okay, and then uh, finally, believe it or not. Believe it or not. Believe Masi- it or not. You can go to messiahmatters.com right now and see our website. Now, we're still working on this thing, but uh, it's up. It is up. So you can go check it out. And finally, last but not least, we would be so appreciative if you would just go ahead and subscribe to this YouTube channel. There's a little button right down on the, well, right over uh, Rob's mic. Click on that thing that says subscribe. <laughs> And uh, and and subscribe to I'm, our. I'm totally YouTube distracted channel. over here, looking at my other screen. You distracted? No, Food. I don't believe it. All right, I'm a geek. What can I say? This I can attest to. The mullet manuscript. The mullet from the 80s proves it. Yes. Let's go to. I some- was okay. I was watching this interview with Larry Bird. Okay. Like you know, he's the famous Boston Celtics forward. Yes. From the 80s. Yeah. Well, so I was watching an interview with him talking about Dr. J back in like 1980, like mid 1980s. Dr. J. <clears throat> so this is all like someone's VHS tape converted digital. So it's like this old record. But they're interviewing him after the game or whatever. And he's, <laughs> I was like, man, even uh, Larry Bird had a, a nice little, uh, oh, dude, bit, you know, party in the back kind of thing. My, so I've, I've, I've described my father in law's <laughs> mighty mullet. And now Ben, my son, my eight-year-old, really wants a mullet because Grandpa has one. We need a picture. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> it is, it's the real deal. And I told him he needed to shave the sides. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, um, oh. let's jump in. Let's jump into some fun stuff. Yes, let's. Okay. So last week in the chat room, MC and Elsie, who are usually in the chat room, however, I've not seen them today. Uh, they commented, what race and crown is Paul speaking of if it is only in or out? Now, I think what this comment means is this. I think it means if you are saved or not saved, in other words, from a Calvinistic perspective, which we hold to the doctrines of grace, from a Calvinistic perspective, what is the metaphor of the race? Now, um, that's really good. I like how you word that. That's a, I like that. Well, thank you. I like that very much, Caleb. I think that she is refer- – they are – I think it's a husband and wife team here, the MCLC. <clears throat> um, I think that the uh, MC and LC are talking about 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Now, actually, I think what is actually being spoken of is uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. However – I would uh, I would argue that this is uh, the the context of this entire thing or the entire passage is needed f- to know what he's talking about. Let's read it. Now, this is from the ESV. He says, "Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it." Now this that's the end of twenty four. So if you just take that verse, what are we talking about? Are we talking about salvation? Are we talking about being in or out, that we have to run this race, and if we don't run it correctly, that we're out? Well, let's read the rest of the context to see if this is actually what he's talking about. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. 
They do it to receive perishable wreath, a perishable wreath. But we, and an imperishable, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I, 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 dis, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Okay, so are we talking about, what are we talking about, Rob? Are we talking about salvation? Well, it sounds to me like Paul doesn't know if he's saved or not. Exactly. Like he's like he doesn't know. He says, "You know what? I might even be disqualified myself." <clears throat> no, yeah, yeah except I don't for he talks that. about the assurance of salvation <clears throat> and the hope of the gospel, right? Yeah, he's using. Uh, you know, I remember in in junior high, I thought I, you know, back to the Larry Bird in yes. the eighties. Okay, yes. <laughs> Doctor J. Uh, those were my first heroes, right? When I was a 11, 12, 13. And I had their posters on my walls and stuff. And so when I got into junior high, I started playing basketball. And I all up to that time, my we had a little bat, a little park across the street with a basketball court, like a, a asphalt. You know, boy, it hurt if you fell, man. But anyway, so all my experience was just playing with the neighborhood kids, basketball, one on one, two on two, three on three, and then we do horse. You know, where you do all the all the different kind of things. <clears throat> And I was never coached, right? Then I go into junior high, and I know you did some sports too. I think did you do? It's like you all of a sudden there's a coach telling you to like run lines and like do laps and and push ups and and like all this stuff is like man, what is all this about? And I didn't like it, you know. And so I just <laughs> wanted to I just wanted to go with the feel of basketball, you know how I feel after, after the Sixers win. And I oh, go dude, and I, okay. Hang I, on. okay. I, I, I was, I played hockey. I, <laughs> hockey was my, my jam. Right. And I, I, Hey, what are you doing? My grandmother could skate faster than you. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the idea of a coach is there to focus and get, get the team, get you thinking as a team player, right. get everybody in shape and, and to train and, uh, there's, you know, I, I played for three years, like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. And I went to summer basketball camp and all this. And I slowly realized, you know what? I don't really want it that bad. <laughs> I don't want it that bad. That's for sure. I don't want it that bad. It hurts. Right. You know what? Plus there's the competition, man, all of a sudden, you know, I go from my little neighborhood group of people, right. Where I'm like one of the best players to all of a sudden now in the high school level, you've got and all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I suck. <laughs> like these okay. guys. So bring, kids it, ba- who bring it back to First so Corinthians. The point is this. Paul's using that reality in life to talk about how if if in a way you could put it as a call for Homer. If people in this world oriented towards goals of uh of that require perseverance and, and uh, sacrifice and um, dedication. If they're th- that intense as athletes are, because we know how intense athletes are in our world today. It's no different back then. Uh, all the more how he's trying to, it's a prod against spiritual laziness among believers, you know, because we're all, you know, we're all subject to the things of the flesh. You know? And and at the end, he even talks about the idea that if he if he uh, preaches one thing and does another, what is that? In other words, he if he if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't condition himself, then he will fall. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's the same waves that like what back to Larry Bird. Ha <laughs> ha. He he would shoot. I don't remember, but he would go like empty Madison Square Garden. I think was it no? Where's Boston? Uh, what's is that the garden in Boston? No, Madison Square Garden. That's, that's in New York. In what's New the York. one in? Uh, I, I think uh, the New Yorkers are about ready to lynch you. Anyway, what's the? I don't remember what. It, but he would go and and shoot free throws, free throws, free throws, like hundreds of free throws every day. Because he knew that in the game, free throws are a super big deal. People are always missing the free throws. And he was had like year after year, he was in the top of free throw percentage. Why? Because he was disciplined that way. That's what we need to have, you know, our life. Someone should be able to look at our life like, like, like a little uh, big brother camera following us around and say, look, does this guy love the Lord? Does he live his life as unto the Lord? Is he walking with God? Is he meditating on the scriptures? Is he do? Is he walking with God? That's the question. Okay, hang on just a sec. So <clears throat> Malachi in the chat room has a comment. Now, I have a response to this. So Malachi says, I know this is a controversial topic. Could a solution simply be those who believe that one could lose their salvation live as they could, thereby maintaining sanctification and righteousness? In the end, if one believes they might lose their salvation if they don't repent and don't obey, so they obey. So they obey. What harm is it? Okay. The harm is, is that it's not biblical. Wait, wait, could you translate that? Yes, I can. Me? So basically, maybe Paul's speaking to the people who think that they can lose their salvation so that they'll actually live a righteous life. If no, 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 yeah, no, no. yeah, wait, 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 I get to respond first. You don't get to respond first. I get to respond first because I was already talking. See how that works? Okay. okay. So there, there's two major problems with this. Number one is it's not biblical. So that's the harm. That'd be teaching non-biblical uh, theology. Yeah. Number two, if you think that a person who, who believes that they can't lose their salvation just goes out and, and lives uh an unrighteous life because they they don't they're not going to lose their salvation. No, no, no. The fact of the matter is is whether you think you can lose your salvation or not. The point is is that we serve a king. Any true believer is going to be repulsed by the idea that we would offend the almighty living God and the king. And so the point is is that we we uh, discipline ourselves so that we are in accordance with what the one that we love has asked us to do. Okay, now go. Yeah, that's well put. The uh, you you can't prod the flesh and expect it expect someone to be born from above. You that that's works religion. That's the idea of that's to you can't prod somebody the the carnal nature and expect a, that it's going to please God somehow. From the external, so that that would be saying Paul is going to someone who um, uh, is, let's say, they don't know if they're saved or not, and saying, "Look, you need to work harder." <laughs> that that's it's that's bad theology. That's that's not uh, it because uh, un, like Yeshua says, you know, the person who um, unless you're born from above, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Right. You can't even see it. Right. So you, if you go to an unbeliever and or, or someone who's not born from above, right? Because if you're born from above, you're born from above. 
But if you go to someone who's not born from above and say, look, you need to work harder to please God. No, you get, you need to get up earlier. You need to pray more. That, that's, you, you know, you need to join that sect, you know, of the Pharisees or the Sadducees or whatever, and, and join in all their, their special things, you know, and then you'll please God. That's, that's never a biblical perspective. That's never a, a sound theology. He's talking to believers, people who are born from above, helping them learn to think about what it means to be in this world, but not of this world. And at the same time, like Yeshua says, you know, if you if you hear my words, if you're my disciple, you're going to pick up your cross every day and follow me. It's not easy. That's right. So whether you want to use Yeshua's uh, metaphor of your daily cross or Paul's metaphor of the athlete who's disciplining his body, these are all uh, poetic or metaphoric um, images of instruction for the church, for, for people who belong to Messiah, to help them mature in how, the, how we, you know, a new believer is, is ready to serve God, but still needs instruction, still needs to learn, like, what is proper thought? What is, what does it mean to think properly about God? Versus what does it mean to, you know, what are, what are ways do I need to stay away from? We all need that instruction. And that's why we have the scriptures and communities and, um, you know, uh, in our day and age, we have good teachers that have books you can read or listen to their lectures, etc. We need to grow and uh, in wisdom and understanding of the challenges of living in the world, but not being of the world. And these are ways of talking about it that are very helpful. They're very helpful for me, I think. Okay, so the other, uh, this actually opens up our main conversation for the day. Um, it's interesting because when we think of, I, I talk to a lot of believers who say, oh, I just don't have time. This, this is something I hear a lot. So I'll ask people, so are you reading your Bible every day? I just don't have time. Are you praying every yeah. day? I just don't have time. Or, um, you know, are... It's like, what? It's like, yeah, what can you do? And the thing is, is that ultimately when a person becomes a believer, it's... It is like... I think... I don't want to put anybody down here. I'm trying really hard not to, uh, not to, you know, zone in on on people who might not have this mindset. But ultimately, our mindset shifts, and that mindset becomes: Should uh, you know? How can I be in the Word as much as possible? How can I pray as much as possible? How can I? So, um, let's go to this comment. Some here. of some of the. Do I have time just for a quick comment? Sure, of course. I would just encourage people. We're reminded, Paul says, every thought we have to take captive to Christ. And you might have a thought, I need to pray more. You need to take that thought to Christ. I need to, you know, read my Bible more. Because those those might sound uh, good or innocent, but if they're, those are opportunities for the enemy to, to, to th- throw a little dart in there. To where now all of a sudden you're going, you're condemning yourself. Oh, I'm not a good enough Christian. You know, I'm not a good enough believer or something like that. And that, again, we got to take every thought to Messiah. 
And Yeshua says, you know, he teaches us to pray. You know, you go in, you close the door. Your heavenly father sees what's in secret. He gave us a, a very beautiful, profound, rich, short prayer. Right? And and we don't have you don't stay in there all day. Now, Paul says, pray without ceasing, of course, because you but but you do need that one-on-one time with the Lord. But it doesn't mean that you have to be spend three hours in a room by yourself. No. Now maybe, maybe, maybe sometimes that is appropriate and fitting. But in terms of day to day, we we each of us has to work out our priorities in life. And if I'm cons- if I'm consistently putting prayer or time in the word way down on the list to where it falls off the table, sometimes altogether, then that that's something in and of itself to take to the Lord. But beware about, oh, I'm not doing it right, right? Because that, no, but, that's a thought you need to take captive. But, but the point is, is that when, when the scriptures say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, if you're reading your Bible only at church every weekend, or, you know, you're only praying, you know, when you go to church or before meals or something like that, something is wrong. That, that shows that something is wrong. And, and as believers, we need to reorient. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that when we come to the Messiah, when we come to faith, it becomes number one. Our faith becomes number one in our life. It takes priority over everything else. So if I have a job where I'm no longer able to do everything that I need to do in life and also I'm not able to do, you know, be with the Lord at all in the day, then maybe the Lord's telling you that it's time to change jobs. I mean, as hard as that might sound. No, I hear you. I hear you. So this comes to Stephanie's question. And Stephanie says, morning, gentlemen. I thought there was a show where you guys spoke of good study tools and books. We have from time to time a good place to start and how to dig deeper and do the hard work. I want to do the hard work, but I distrust so many sources. Mm. So she says, what show is it? I don't think we've actually done a specific show on that. I can't seem to find it. I hear a lot of Warren Warsby. Where's B commentary on Sunday mornings from the pastor? Where's B is his favorite. Okay. This is such a good question because ultimately back to, you know, back to the idea that, and I've heard people recently, even very recently say to me, well, you know, I work eight hours a day, so I'm not like you. (laughs) I'm not like you where I get to study the the scriptures all day long. First, I'd like to dispel this idea Um, at Torah resource. uh, What I do for Torah resource is um, mainly not study. The majority of my job has to do with formatting and video editing. So I don't get to just sit down and study the Word all day. That would be awesome, but that's not actually what I do. Most of my study time actually happens when I'm not at Torah Resource, and I've made that a priority because it's something that I love to do. Um, With that said... Well, here's the thing, too, from the side of a person who's one of the instructors at Torah Resource is that our our labors are before the lord and the our desire is to be successful and to be good stewards of what we have for our students and for the material that we put out said so you know that we publish and make available that that it, it's not like a person 
uh, all by themselves in a cave, you know, just studying independent of any accountability structure or purpose structure or mission. And um, actually, this is one of the problems that we see within um, certain ministries. I mean, Ra- Ravi Zacharias is a great example of this. Uh, there are other there are other people who uh, who are currently teaching who they don't have a home congregation, and because of that, what's happened? Either their theology off, is off, or they're you know because they don't have anybody anybody to tell them, hey, yo, that's <laughs> that is not right. Let's sit down with the scriptures and look at this together, right? So, I mean, accountability and having a congregation is is I think key, or at least people that that can tell you you're you're missing something. Um, okay. So with that said, I think that every believer should strive to study the Bible and should strive to become a better student and a better disciple of the Messiah. And so Bible study is a huge, a huge part of this, right? So there's multiple facets of this. Number one, I think we've talked many times. I think that, uh, if you haven't, if you have the ability and some people don't, but if you have the ability I think it is worth it to sit down and take a couple of classes in one of the original languages, whether it's Greek or Hebrew. I think that that, you know, uh, three quarters of Hebrew or three quarters of Greek, you're not going to become a Greek scholar. You're not going to become a Hebrew scholar. You're not going to all of a sudden be able to read and translate as if, you know, as if you're as, you know, translate directly out of Hebrew as fast as you read it. It's that's not how it works. That takes a lot of time and a lot of hard work. Um, with that said, having a working understanding of grammatical issues, knowing where a subject is in a sentence, being able to work your way through a lexicon and those kind of things, those will ramp up your study game 150%. So it's not like, and you know, even with like Torah resource, you can take, uh, you, you can take one year of Hebrew over the course of, you know, you can stretch it out if you need to. But the point is, is that people who take Hebrew or Greek have a have a a much better handle on these things. And I mean, once again, I'm not even I'm talking about just being able to identify some words, identify some structures, and and, and the lexicons and those kind of things will will be able to do a lot of the work for you. You don't need to be a scholar to do it. So that's number one. Stephanie, the person who wrote this message, actually has taken Hebrew at Torah Resource Institute. And so she has put in some hard work. And so I think that this, and when I, I wrote her back and said, what do you mean by hard work? Are you talking about studying? Are you talking about, you know, apologetics? Are you talking about, you know, I went down a list of things and she said, yeah, all of it. You know, how do we, how do we know? How do we know? How do we f- find the best tools? Um, the thing is, is that it's going to take sacrifice. As weird as that sounds, it takes sacrifice. It takes time and it takes money. Um, you know, I think one of the best tools you can get is a Bible software. Accordance Bible software is what we use. Um, Logos is its main competitor and a bigger company. A lot of people use Logos. And um, whether or not you think one is better than the other is not really the, the point. It, they're expensive because they, are, they do stuff that are, is very, very, very valuable. So the point is, is that if you're going to invest in um, some tools, Bible software is one of them, but you're going to spend a minimum, and I mean a minimum of $600 to get, uh, you know, going with a Bible software. 
Do you have anything you want to talk about in terms of that? Um, just a couple word, key words that I took from Stephanie's email. Thank you, Stephanie, is uh, the hard work one, uh, but also di uh, distrust of sources. That stuck out to me because I can, I can identify with that. And uh, Caleb, you and I chatted maybe briefly about this the other day was because there's that investment required in anything in life. So back, this goes right back to what we were citing from the Apostle Paul about the athletes. Now, we were, what we didn't say is what did it cost financially, the athletes? Now, you can say, okay, you know, once they're signed, it's a free deal or whatever. But no, you know, the athletes get uh, that level of, of uh, skill, ability, accuracy, and endurance, you know, all that stuff at great cost, but it also costs them financially. Right. They need to invest in gear and being at locations. You know, how do I get to this? I got to be at the tournament. Now, of course, there's always going to be maybe special, talented young kids that have benefactors, you know, that help them. But it, it's it, no matter how you slice it, there's got to be a financial investment then but and and so for us i mean look at caleb's got a whole sea of books there you know and he he's basically the off the main offices tour resource has a has a huge library not every book you know probably there's probably a smaller sub library within the larger library of books that are like yeah these are the more gems okay I and there's to, I, others that are not that want, are not as valuable. I want to talk about, let me finish. I want to talk about, thought. okay. I want to talk about books in a few seconds, but keep going. <clears throat> oh, okay. Is the idea is that what you are, when you learn, God wired us to learn. We have to stretch. We have to encounter new ideas. We have to chew on them. We have to integrate them with what we know. We have to take like back, like we said earlier, every thought captive to Messiah and, and hold what hold to what is good and what is true. And that is a, a kind of a digestion process that we all must grow in. Yes. If you're going to, if you're going to, Yeshua says to the, if you have, you'll be given more. But if, if you just, but if you have not, even what you think you have will be taken away. That applies, that applies to our edification personally as being disciples, as being trained in the word of God is do I know what I own? Do I know what I know? And do I know what I don't know? One of the biggest problems, this side note, is people thinking they know something and teaching stuff they don't know. We see this, I, I could point out in the Hebrew roots movement all <laughs> over the place. Right. And that's, they're just building castles on sand and they're, oh, people go, oh, this is so beautiful. And what they don't realize it's all going to collapse. So, but the idea is back to the book idea and then I'll hand it back is we don't always know if, if like you take a class or you buy a, buy a handful of books or commentaries, you don't know which ones in advance are going to, which ideas you're going to hold to and which not. You have to do the sifting work. You got to do the hard work. So that back to the, the distrust and the hard work, the two key words that came up across in Stephanie's email, they go together. There's going to be times where you're disappointed 
But there's going to be times where you're going to connect and go, this, yes, I this, the way this teacher put this idea is really helpful for me because it helps me in this other domain over here. And then there's going to be places where, you know, this just doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound right, but I can't put my finger on it. And so what does it do? What do you do? You It takes you back to prayer in your prayer life. My prayer life, Caleb, you could speak to this about yourself, but I know that the books I'm reading and thinking about inevitably affect my prayer life because right. I'm, I, again, I see this as we are, we're responsible as to be good stewards, to take every thought captive to Messiah. That means in our prayer time, we're, he sees all things. He knows what's in our heart and our goal. We want to have pure hearts. And so we got to, we got to sort through these, these thoughts and what is valuable, what is true, what is good, what is loving and, and what is not, and what is helpful for the, for the flock and what is not. That's hard work. Okay. So, uh, let's go back to Bible software for a few seconds. Um, there are free Bible softwares. And I, the reason I'm going to run through this real quick is because I want to get to books because you, you've touched on that now and we can talk about this a little bit more. Um, first of all, uh, once again, it is going to cost you money. And unless, here's the thing though, is 90, 90% of the people who are listening to us are not living in some hut in Uganda. Okay. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, you, you, you should be able to have some means to be able to uh, go to a library, pay for some, you know, some copies, go to a used bookstore, whatever. There's ways that you can get books and get good books and and uh, do that kind of work. Second of all, being an internet scholar is not what we are called to do. The internet has all sorts of horrible stuff. And the good, here's the thing, is that the good scholars and the good books, you're not going to be able to find online. They're all copywritten. You can't find them online. You got to go buy them. Um, when it comes to Bible software, I know a lot of people love stuff like Blue Letter Bible. That is a free version, and you can get some work done with Blue Letter Bible. There's no doubt about it. However, there is a reason that companies like Accordance and Logos uh, charge hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for their software, and they're still in business. If scholars could do it all with Blue Letter Bible, they would do it with Blue Letter Bible. But uh, it falls short in many, 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 many different areas. Okay, with that said, let's switch now to books. Uh, I'm going to piggyback on what um, Rob has said now. The fact of the matter is, is that you have to have some of the stu stuff that is no good. What I mean by that is you can't just get gems all the time because people have different views. And so you need to be able to see all those different views when you're studying. When you're studying, you need to be able to see the guy that you're going to disagree with 100% and see how he frames his argument. You know, a, a perfect example of this is um, Meredith Klein. I love Meredith Klein. He was a fantastic scholar before he passed away. Uh, Klein did uh, a unbelievable work called The Treaty of the Great King. And in that book, he talks about the JEPD theory. For those who don't know what the JEPD theory is, um, just very quickly, it's this notion that there was actually four or five authors, JEPD, four authors of the of the uh, Torah, and that Moses didn't actually write it. And um, and this is kind of a new liberal understanding. Well, Klein goes through these major scholars who push for the JEPD theory. And he does a nice rundown. So I wanted to reference some of what Klein was talking about. 
But obviously, I can't do that unless I look at other scholars. I can't just rewrite Klein's argument. I have to go and look at other people who have actually framed the argument. And so what do I have to do? I have to find a book where somebody actually talks about and defends the JEPD theory, which I think is awful. It's not a good, it's not a good theory, and I, I, I totally disagree with it. But yet I still needed to find a book. I still needed to have a book where somebody defends that theory. So in other words, you can't have the good theory unless you have the bad theory too. So some of what you're going to encounter and some of what you're going to buy and some of what you're going to read are going to be things that you totally disagree with. With that said, what are some good commentaries and where do you start? This is actually one of the questions after I went through school. Uh, that This is one of the first questions that I asked my father. What commentaries should I use? And... Uh, my dad gave me some recommendations, and ultimately the recommendations that I've realized are go to the standards, go to the big the big publishers. So, Anchor Bible Commentary. You know, now you're not going to go out and buy the full Anchor Bible Commentary. It's like what twenty volumes or something like that. But you can buy a volume that's just on the book that you're looking at. And if you do this every time, pretty soon you'll have a bunch of them. Um, Tyndale Commentaries. Um, let's see here, IVP commentaries. In other words, you go to these major publishers, you find their, con- you know, Zondervan, um, the New International Commentary on the New Testament is one that I use, Zondervan Exegetical Commentaries, Herman Nea New Testament Commentaries, Anchor, IVP, Tyndale. These are the kind of commentaries that are done by major scholars, and uh, you're not going to agree with them on everything, but you're going to find, uh, you're going to find, major scholars who are upholding and explaining many of the different views. Okay, I'm done talking for now. <laughs> Rob, how do you find a good commentary? Yeah, this is back to the, you got to just start. You got to start with just buying a commentary. Or a couple of them if you have the ability. And what you do is, and this we do this in our theological research and writing class, you have to build a bibliography. You have to build, so what I'll be reading... And I'll do this with articles also, or as in books that you want books that have good footnotes and bibliographies. Right. If you're just reading a book that just tells you this is what it is, and there's no footnotes, then that's not doing the hard work. That can benefit. Someone might just, it might be a book of gems, for example, right? Uh, uh, Maybe sermons by... um, Right. You know, J.I. Packer. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that, that's just, and maybe, yeah, of course it'll be scriptural references, but it'll be edification. It'll be good, sound, reformed theological uh, uh, instruction and, and uh, exhortation, you know, of the scripture. Okay. But if the idea of hard work is the idea of, okay, I, I want to grasp some of the, the background material to really push my roots deeper into the world so that I am more confident to be able to explain. In other words, I need to internalize my own footnote system. Like why do I, why do I count the Omer like the Pharisees and not the Sadducees? Right. right? Why do, why is it important that Yeshua um, is, is son of God and son of man? Right? Why? Why? Why is it? Why is a deity of Yeshua a critical issue? Right? So if I just read a book on gems, on a, just high crystal, just praising, you know, 
that's that's can be a really good uh, and edifying thing. But if I want to engage in the debate aspect and understand the other players and what they're promoting and to be able to articulate my own position against those influences, that is a really good thing. And that's where I see is, is, is hard work's required. So back to building your bibliography is I'm going to read something, a good place to start, grab one of Tim Haig's commentaries and you, and you start reading through it and you go, Oh, Tim cites this, this uh, little paragraph from Cranfield's commentary on Romans, let's say. Right. And wow, I really like, like, why does Tim cite this? Huh? You know, I like that. So then you you write down Cranfield, you know, wow. Every time Tim cites Cranfield, it seems like I, I like what he's saying. Maybe I, let me go read a little bit of Cranfield. So now you start building your reading list. You start building your library based on, a, people you already have a high trust relationship with. They've already demonstrated themselves through the years as consistent, sound, godly teachers of the word of God. And I'm going to start there. And then I'm going to say, oh, you know, sometimes he quotes Kinzer. <laughs> and, and but, you know, he'll quote Kinzer, but then he'll go, he'll try to explain why Kinzer is uh, leading people sideways to think wrong. Well, you know what? I think I should probably read some Kinzer firsthand so that I can. And so there would be an example of purchasing a book that is not going to be, you know, on the top shelf, maybe of your, <laughs> of your library, but it's like, you know what? Part of that hard work is trying to understand another person's perspective as accurately as you can so that you can accurately and helpfully better articulate your convictions. Not to, right? The last, nobody benefits. The, the church will not benefit if all we do is misquote our, the heretics. Right. So, I mean, what you're talking about, this is one way to get an extremely large list of books that you want to buy. Um, you know, when you're starting, don't you, let Google decide yeah, for don't, you. Yeah, don't like <laughs> don't Google. Let the alg- don't let the Google algorithm, because those are people competing just to get your click. That's right. And so, so uh, I mean, what Rob is talking about is one of the ways that I've built my started to build my personal library. Now, luckily, I have a father who has six thousand theological books in his personal library. So, and he has them all cataloged too. Now. One of the, the interesting things is when I decided to write and study on uh, first century Greco-Roman meals, my dad did not have a library. Yeah, exactly. He and I love nothing. that about you, Caleb. I love that Caleb found, <laughs> found, found my a place did. where he's like, hey, you know, my dad hasn't really worked in this field. And so that's a, a point of adventure, too, which is cool. Go ahead. Well, the first book that I picked up was, was recommended to me, Eucharistic Origins. By Bradshaw. Now, for most people, this book is going to be a total snoozer. For me, this was like watching Star Wars for the first time. It was it was amazing, right? And what I did was I started writing down all of his... Well, that was a really good point. I want to see where he got that from. So I started... Just in this one book, I came out with like 15 books that I wanted. Now, the other nice thing about my father is that he has a motto. And that motto is, if you need that book, buy that book. And so... 
as I would I would call my dad and say, hey, I'm looking for this book. Nope, I don't have it. Well, if it's under $20, I'll bet you $100 that my dad will buy that book if he doesn't have it and I want it. So he probably bought me, I don't know. This, okay, it, Caleb, I love that you're pointing this out. We have to trust if, if you're in the position of doing the hard work, I love that motto, if you need it, because we're trusting that this is, I don't, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I'm not Pentecostal, but I have to trust. I have to trust that my sincere desire to learn and grow in the things of God, that that is a pleasing process for us to be in, whether you're, you know, no matter what your job is, just the desire to grow and learn and grow in maturity, push your roots down deeper so that you can grow taller. That's pleasing to the Lord. And, and so when you have, when you see that book and you go, okay, I, I need that book. That is so good because you're not saying I need something materially, right? It's, you're right. not saying, oh, I need a nicer car or I need a bigger house or I need, you know, it's, it's something related to the realm of growing in your ideas and better grasp of the things of the kingdom of God. And, but you're right. It's a place you got to, you got at some point put that 20 bucks down. Sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's 50 and it's like, ouch, because now that's 50 bucks. I, I don't have somewhere else. So then you, now you have to refine, Hmm, which one there's two here, you know, or waiting, you know, I'm going to buy one book this month. And then I think of this other book, I'm going to wait a month or two and I'll buy that book. Sorry, go. No, 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 that's fine. Actually, I'm looking at our stream. It looks like we lost our stream for a little while. Hmm. Hang on just a sec. Let's look at what's going on. Let's see if our chat room, our stream. Well, that sucks. Any, uh, anyone else? Let's the see here. There's a great comment. Down. There's actually a great comment that I want to, uh, that I want to highlight here in the, in the chat room about this too. Um, give us just a second here. I wish we had some hold, some, some elevator music again. I don't know if I'm the only one who's, uh, who's losing or not. So we'll go on as if, as if I'm not the only one or as if I am the only one who is uh, losing it. So, um, Dustin in the chat room, yeah, dropped off for a second, dropped off again. Okay, so um, lost it, lost it here. Okay, so everybody lost it, and it looks like we keep losing it. Anyway, all right, um, I will put this back up. I will re-do uh, this video, like I'll re-put it up um, in a little bit. So I'll post it and post the full video in a little bit. Let's see if I can actually just change this back on. Um, so one of the comments, okay, I don't want to bore everyone who's actually listening to this on playback. Um, one of the comments that was made, Dustin says, starting out, what is one that you recommend for starters? Okay, so this actually is a great comment because the question now is not necessarily where do you start? It's you need to figure out what you're studying. In other words, are you, are you starting... Are you starting by studying a book of the Bible? Are you doing a topical study on something? Are you looking at a specific word? Are you looking at, I mean, the list can go on and on and on and on and on. Um, basically, you need to figure out what it is that uh, you're, you're studying. So 
like I said, I go back to, you know, my study was on Greco-Roman meals. So this is the book I started with. Okay. Since that was the book I started with, now all of a sudden we have all these different things that we can talk about in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, now I know what road to go down. Now, if, if you're doing something else, let's pretend for a few seconds that you're doing, I don't know. Um, let's pretend that you're doing Colossians. So Colossians is, um, you know, it's it, it, you, now you can go to the IP, IVP commentaries. You can grab a commentary and you can take that commentary and you can uh, now build off that commentary. So really what you have to do is you have to, um, you really have to kind of figure out what you're studying. Any any ideas on that before we move uh, on? No, just, uh, you mean having a, like defining your research Yeah, scope? I mean, basically the point is, is that you have to define exactly that. You have to define research before you- Here, uh, Here's a great example. So I like the New Inter Bible, New- NIB New Interpreters Bible Commentary Series NIB it's uh it's published by Intervarsity Intervarsity Press and they have their Bible comment if you get the whole set you're talking like a huge shelf right but I I know that they had one volume that had Acts Romans and 1 Corinthians and Romans was NT right and um 1 Corinthians was oh it's going to escape me anyway I'm like you know what I'm going to buy it and it was kind of spendy. I think it was like 60 bucks maybe for one volume, big book, big heavy book that had, you know, full, you know, text with commentary by, and, and nice, nice foot, very well footnoted. I never, and I was like, okay, I need, basically my situation was I need N.T. Wright's Rome, official Romans commentary. I need it. Because right. I'm in my time in Romans, it's like I there's a lot of stuff I like about NT Wright. I'm foolish to not engage with his scholarship on Romans. That would be foolish of me. This is my I'm just sharing my thought process. So by God's grace, you know, I have the money. I get I actually that one might have been a gift. That might have been a birthday gift to that particular one. But the idea was it was spent, I didn't buy it for myself because it was too spendy. In any case, I got it and I was like, okay, now did I sit down and read from, you know, the entirety of the Roman section by N.T. Wright? No, no, because I, I know where the hot topics, you know, those clusters of passages, you know, the verses in Romans that are the hot topics that have huge implications on how you interpret them. The general flow of, of, you know, a lot of the Rome uh, book of Romans, people don't argue about. It's just clusters of, of areas. So that's where I zero in. I zero in on a, you know, well, where does he place Romans chronologically, you know, in Paul's life, for example, that's in the intro, but then I go to those hot areas right? and I digest. And if you look, if you open up any of my books like that, you're going to see scribbles, marks, <laughs> underlying frowny faces, exclamation marks, uh, notes to other books that I wish N.T. Wright would have read. Yeah, he should have read this other book, right? I, there's, and sometimes I'll have little sticky notes in there with additional, oops, I just knocked my headphones out, with additional info. And that's me interacting with N.T. Wright in a way. 
right? right. I'm, I'm wrestling through. It's not because I, I agree. It's just like, okay, I respect this guy. And I, I trust his scholarship to a certain degree, although I'm suspicious about certain things ideologically. And so I can learn from him and, be, and thank God for him and be grateful for him and kind of basically just devour his commentary on these core sections and, and then pray about the struggles. Okay, you know, is he right about this? Man, is he right about this, how he's interpreting this, I, it's it has huge huge implications for my life, whether right. I agree or disagree with with how he's interpreting this passage, and then so there, there again, that's that impetus to go out back to your dad's point of like, look, okay, I need to educate myself. There's this hard work idea that Stephanie mentioned to get to a point where I could go, okay, I understand now what his position is on this. I believe that if I was speaking with him, I could accurately express to him what he has said about it to the point where he'd say, yeah, that's pretty much my position. And then I can articulate why, you know, my response to that, why I don't think uh, that is what Paul meant, for example. Or if I agree, yeah, I agree with that. And here's why I agree. I don't agree just because you said it, I agree because I too have sought to be informed and have done some hard work. Yeah, and so, I think, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think that that's the, like what you originally said about and find, like find a commentary on whatever it is you're studying. So uh, let's, let's, let's bullet point what we've already talked about. Find a commentary on what you're, what you're going to be studying. First, figure out what you're going to be studying, whether it's topical. So are you going to look at the deity of the Messiah? Are you going to look at, uh, you know, are you going to look at the use of the word artos in the New Testament or in the, you know, what are you get you know, so what are you going to be looking at? That's the very first thing you got to do is, is uh, come, you know, focus in on what you're going to do. Buy your first book on it. Buy a book that's highly recommended. That might not mean that you're going to agree with it or not, but buy a, buy a book that somebody recommends. And then look at the, look at the footnotes and start building your, uh, your your list of books and articles that you need to get. Some of them you might not ever be able to get. Get. I, I still have lists of of articles and books that it's like this is a two hundred and fifty dollar book. I'm not going to get that. Or this is an article in a hundred and fifty dollar book, and I only need this one article. I'm not going to you know I'm not going to do that. Um, and and that's ultimately how you start building a library on stuff like that. Uh, question in the chat room: How do you feel about Genesius lex lexicon. Ultimately, when it comes, oh, com oh uh, Gesenius. Yeah, he lived. That's probably online for free, like at archive.org. Uh, Gesenius. The problem is, is that he lived, you know, what 150 years ago. So it's going to have limited value, and uh, what you need, you know, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna study. Biblical Hebrew seriously, you need to have up to date tools. That's the um, and but so. But you can you can find you can find up to date tools for not too expensive. You can get a good. You can get. A I think yeah, the halot the Hebrew that's called H A L O T halot Hebrew Aramaic lexicon of the Old Testament. Um, that is, it's I think it's now in like two volume. They might even have it down into one. I think it's two volumes. Um, and that's going to, that's going to cost you maybe 80 bucks, you know, or you could get a used copy. 
But here's the other thing, and this is okay. Here, let's let's talk about some some of the ways that you can bypass paying for these things. If you have a university close to you, go there. Go yes. to go to the university library. Chances are they have a somewhat okay, if not a decent, theological section, which means that you can go, you can find those books. Almost all universities today now have a place where you can scan a book, and once you scan it into PDF, you can actually and you might not scan the whole thing. But you can scan sections of a book, and then you can email it to yourself. So if you want to take the time to, you know, if you're looking at a chapter or something, you can go, you can scan it, and then then send it to yourself, and then you can go home and read it. Otherwise, spend some time at the library. Um, public libraries usually don't have what you want necessarily, but they might have some. Um, they might have some books that you could start with, some, you know, some uh, standard commentaries or something like that you could start with. And then you could start building your your list of books. Uh, once again, you can go online and, and use some of the Bible softwares. Uh, the net.com has some, uh, has some great resources as does blue letter Bible, although it's extremely difficult to use. Um, and then also there, I mean, there's, there's other things that you can do to start building that. The last thing that you want to do is start, uh, thinking that you are doing the hard work by doing Google searches that almost inevitably will not bring you the quality that you need to be able to do the hard work. Okay. Um, we're basically what happened is our stream stopped and we had to reboot. So what I will do is I will delete all of our, uh, <clears throat> all of these videos from YouTube and then I will re-upload the entire thing. So that's going to take about an hour or two before that's up. But, uh, yeah, for those in the chat room who want to see what they missed, you can do it that way. All right. Well, it's been an interesting conversation and a good one. I hope it's helped some people at least uh, be able to navigate how to start studying and doing the harder work. Uh, but once again, uh, nothing is going to substitute for a couple of quarters of Hebrew or Greek and or how to study the Bible or something like that. There's plenty of courses, not just the Torah Resource. You can go to Torah Resource Institute and, and take courses like that. You can find them for a lot more expensive in other places as well. Um, but those are the kind of things that I would highly recommend to people. Can I, Caleb, could I just, before we sign off? Yeah. There's there's a certain type of hard work that is, you don't have to buy any books. You just have your Bible and you have, like we were talking about at the outset, are you setting apart time where you're sitting and right. undistractedly reading the word of God? Like, and just, just reading now you could say, okay, that's devotional time or prayer, reflective time, I don't, whatever you call it. The idea is, is there a time where you're sitting as a student before the Lord with the word open and, and you're reading and that's what you're focused on and you're not distracted, but you're just reading with the, with the open heart, right? Lord, you know, open my eyes that I may behold the wonders of your Torah. That's what it says in Psalm 119 with that kind of attitude or the end of Psalm 19, you know, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. Like if that's, that's your attitude and you're, you're reading the word of God and you can say, you know what, for right now, I'm just going to take the NIV or the NASB. You know, I'm not going to worry about which translation I'm using. I'm just going to read. Be in the word and, and be in the word and seek to understand seek to hear what what the scriptures have for us 
that's in a way, I mean, that is hard work. Right. It's hard work, particularly, you know, it's a hard work in as much as we're in a situation where we're being bombarded with distractions all the time. Things we have, you know, your email or, you know, or this demand or that demand, it's going to take an initial hard work just right. to carve out that time. That time, right. Yeah. And, and you know what, you're going to, I don't need to be challenged by God's word. I don't need to read something from N.T. Wright. I'm challenged by the word of God itself. Just as is, right. As is. Yeah. Right. So I just didn't want to let us end without actually circling back and, right. you know, so why are we doing this at all is because it's because we're doing the hard work on the word of God. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel and uh, be a part of the conversation. See HagatorResource.com. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.